Blog Talk Radio.
but one of us enjoyed their family a little more than everybody else. <laughs> and uh, we have an announcement of an addition to our uh, Fighting Words staff, and uh, I'll let Z carry it from there. Uh, we have a new addition to our Fighting Words family. Uh, I just had a grandson uh, last weekend and on Father's Day. And, and his name is Jaden, but you're going to be very happy. His name is Jaden Mel Mitchell. So, nice. yeah, my yeah my, my daughter uh, put the middle name in tribute to my father. Um, yep. And I am so proud. Uh, I'm happy and that everybody's doing well and healthy. They're back home. and Great. Great. We're, we're, we're really happy to. Thank yeah, you very Congratulations. Much. We're really happy to have that news. That's always good news. Uh, you know, before the week before, we had Bob's daughter graduating, and, uh, and then, then we had Z's daughter was graduating and got the uh, got a scholarship. So it was. It's been a very good month for uh, those of us here in the uh, uh, Fighting Words family. Uh, we want to welcome uh, Absolutely. Mr. Guy. Absolutely. Hey, how you guys doing this evening? We're doing good. We're doing good. Yeah. Wouldn't that be yeah. great, yeah. Uncle good. Time? Right. Yeah, there you go. I'm a great uncle. There it is. <laughs> great, great uncle, and I'm joining. I'm joining Ty in uh, grandfather stages. So yeah, actually, I just made you. Well, I didn't make you anything, but you became a great <laughs> uncle uh, uh, just a, a little uh, shy of a year ago. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, that's so. yeah, uh, a tremendous. And what's really neat is uh, both uh, both the kids. Um, the middle name uh, has some some form of melanin, so that's a, a real honor and distinction. Mm-hmm. And it shows uh, what yeah, class yeah, guys you are yeah. that they would do that. But we had a uh, Anderson Silva had a good time last week. Uh, Ty, what'd you think of that? <laughs> that's a good way to put it, Butch. That's a perfect way to put it. He had a good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, not only is Chavez didn't make the weight, but he went out there and actually lost. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It, it's funny, man, because uh, you know, uh, you, you know, remember Bob was on the show and, and Bob had his, was on his platform about not taking the game seriously, not listening. You know, and it was it was really good to see that come back and bite Chavez in the ass. It really was, you know. Um, and, and, and that's the one thing kind of about the fight game. If you don't like somebody, you get to beat them up, right? If you don't mm-hmm. like somebody and you're a fan, yes. you get to root for them to get beat up. So no one, including me, I thought Chavez, even with not making weight, I thought he was going to knock Anderson out. Anderson came out. He was composed. He, again, man, he's a fighter. Just You know, Zito and I were talking. And you can see his boxing's unorthodox because he's not a boxer, but dude's a fighter. And even more importantly, Chavez disrespected the sport. That was my big thing last week. He disrespected a sport, and the sport came back and bit him in his ass. So that was hysterical to me. The, the, the funny part about it is, to me, the funny part about it is this. When you look at that fight... I mean, you can see who's clearly the more technical boxer, but you can see clearly who is has their heart more into the game. And I don't even want to call fighting a game, but more into the competition of fighting, period. Um, and I have to give kudos to Anderson Silver for achieving one thing. He, he crossed over and was successful. I mean, how many guys in MMA, like, like I, I'm be honest. I mean, Tyrone Willis is going to get knocked the hell out, and I hate to say it, but yeah. that's eventually what's going to happen to him. Um, but to have a guy come from MMA, from mixed martial arts, into the strictly, strictly scientific things of boxing, and to be scientific, I mean, as unorthodox as he was, he outsized Chavez, and Chavez is not at the age of 46. 
And Chavez is not a guy. I mean, to be honest, he, he, he's usually bigger than the guys. He usually, you know, he doesn't weigh in anyway for regular boxing matches. Um, Cheerios, Speedos, and weed. Uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, that's but the thing is, when he performs, he's a pretty good performer. I mean, Chavez isn't a slouch when it comes to boxing. Uh, it's not like Anderson Silva went out there and fought a guy that that has eight, you know, eight professional fights or something. I mean, he didn't go out there and fight, you know, an amateur. He fought no, he fought a legitimate former world champion. Exactly. He's he years junior. Exactly. A legitimate champion, a younger champion, a bigger champion. Why? Because Chavez came in bigger. So, yeah. I mean, that, to, I really have to give him his credit. Uh, he took, he went, 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 and when you cross over, I mean, you see guys crossing over to make money. I understand that route. Because, I mean, and, and maybe we're going to get into this later or sometime down the road. Um, MMA guys are having uh, are coming out now talking about their pay, um, especially in the right. UFC. Uh, yeah. so but, you know, Anderson when you, when didn't you see take Anderson on Silva, a Jake Paul. He didn't take on a Logan Paul. He took no, on he a legitimate professional boxer. You know? and so he was really, tell, out of all these guys, the biggest underdog, Jake. Exactly, exactly. I mean, even with Stevie Cunningham and Frank Mir, you knew that. Well, well, Stevie was giving up seventy pounds. I don't. I, yeah, so he might have been the biggest underdog. Um, but to a certain extent, he wasn't fighting. You know that that was a different crossover. He's giving up seventy pounds to a guy who's coming over to his realm. Anderson was going so, over so, so to Frank Mir. Exactly. So Frank Mir had more exactly. of a chance. He would be given more of a chance than, than Anderson just by virtue of how much bigger he was than Stevie. Exactly. So when I when I'm like I look at the whole t- entire aspect and and after watching the fight, Anderson, I'm not going to say he's a world beater. Uh, that, no. that, I mean he's good. I'm just, but what I'm going to say is this: um, when you talk about guys taking it seriously and not just going into it for a payday. Anderson did his camp properly. He did. He, he took it serious, and you can see the result. What did you the uh, the other fight there last week that um, uh, got caught my eye was uh, Jamel Ch- uh, Charlo. Uh, his win over uh, uh, was Juan uh, Montel Teal. Yeah, that was a good fight. Um, it was a good yeah. fight because. Charlo got more resistance than uh, mm-hmm. he was expecting, than anyone was expecting. And it was one of those kind of fights where it was a wide scorecard, right? So if you read, you know, in the boxing sites the next day, you'll read, you know, 122 to 108, 119, 109. But the scores um, weren't indicative of the competitive nature of the fight. Uh, you know, he put hands on Charlo. Charlo really had to dig down. The one thing about the Charlo is they got that dog in him. And he needed to have that dog in him to win the fight, even though he was clearly the more talented guy. He just had a guy that refused to go away and refused to stop trying. So I thought it was a great fight. Very entertaining. And and I have to totally agree with Ty. One thing about the Charlos is they have the the dog in them, but oftentimes they have to show the dog. And it kind of doesn't matter. It seems like the the higher level of the competition they have, it, it, to a degree, the less they have to show the dog. I mean, it, it, when they match up against guys that are expected to blow away, uh, I mean, you know, it might be a time or two they blow them away, but then you see them oftentimes, oftentimes get touched on and they have to dig down and they have to, I can't say it just because one thing, as, as good as the Charlos are, both of them, they do not adjust. So, I mean, they just fight harder. And when, when that happens, I mean, you know, they can win a I mean, guys, you don't understand. I mean, some guys don't understand. You can win a fight by just fighting harder. Even if you're getting outclassed, if you're doing more and harder work, I mean, and, you know, you're the, and you're the prime guy on the, uh, on the headliner. You're going to get the benefit of the decision. 
Frank, one thing I'm going to say is this. The Charlos, they are, are, are they're, they're championship level. I cannot say. For their weight class, they are championship level. And, mm-hmm. you know, until otherwise, you know, we, you know I, I want to see well, different matches. I mean, Jamelo is about to fight in a four-belt unification. So he's undisputed. And, and you know, Zito's right, right? The Charlos don't really adjust. What they do is they bite down and they show that dog. Specifically mm-hmm. with Jamel Charlo, if you watch his fights, most of his Jamel Charlo loses more rounds than he wins. Like he's had a lot of knockouts. Jeswin Rosario, he was he was down on points in that fight. The same thing uh, when he fought uh, Jason Jackson back in the day he was down on points. He's a guy who who will routinely get out boxed, but he grits. He applies more pressure. He focuses. He finds his shot and he gets it. like these guys are winners. And there's something to be said about guys who don't always have the best game plans, the guys who, you know, kind of can get out boxed, but just always find a way to win. When guys can do that consistently, they're tough to beat. They're just tough to beat, period. You know, so, no, I don't look at the Charlos as, as, as being necessarily the most skilled boxers, but they're, they're, they're just going to be very, very difficult to beat, either both of them. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and skill uh, and physical are two different things. I mean, Ty's right. Skill and physical. I mean, when a guy is constantly fighting 12 rounds physically and they're trying to hurt you for 12 rounds because the Charlos are in shape to hurt you for 12 rounds. That's one thing I can say. These guys mm-hmm. are not, you know, you don't see – you know, still flagging off on, on their power or on their determination and grit. So, and then I have one. Hey, Bob, uh, we were uh, – Zito just brought something up that uh, we have on next on our list, and that was the uh, the lawsuits now that have been filed uh, by uh, um, MMA and uh, UFC fighters uh, for pay uh, variants. Uh, you want to speak to that one? Um, I'm just hoping to get on that lawsuit. You know, if I <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. you know, tell, tell me where I yeah. can sign up. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know, if it wasn't for my wife, I don't got any retirement. You know, so uh, yeah, right. get me a paycheck out of that too. You know, because sure. you know we all get in like uh, we, you know we were talking earlier about the fighters. Like I'd rather fight a good, a great fighter with bad conditioning than a mediocre fighter with great conditioning. <laughs> you know, right. um, because they'll take it into later rounds. You know, and uh, but um, as far as the the, the the lawsuits and stuff, you know, I'm just hoping that uh, the guys do get paid. I mean, you know, we've been on, you know, I've been on the show for I don't know a year and a half now, and, and we, you know. We, we constantly talk about the difference in money between the two, the boxing and, right. and the MMA. And the MMA is rolling this stuff in. I mean, they're, they're not doing shabby, okay? So there's no reason that these guys put in their lives and their career. I mean, one fight can change your life, you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, that's, that's a big risk to take. So, yeah, there should be some turkey out, uh, just like the boxers. Um, and, and so I hope this goes through. I mean, I think about like five, six years ago, Cowboy Cerrone was trying to push a, uh, like a union or something, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know too much about the lawsuit or anything, but, uh, yeah, kick it back all the way to UFC 17, would you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so with the lawsuit, right, it's the same, it's, it's a very similar, it's actually it's, a very, it's the same kind of lawsuit. Uh, that's pending right now. The one that Kung Lee and Couture and all those guys mm-hmm. had attached yep. their name to years ago. Well, it was kind right. of a, a, a new one of that. And what the real big thing is, is they're alleged that the UFC has violated antitrust laws, right? Um, you know, the big thing is the monopoly, the competition, mm-hmm. the pay scale. Obviously, what it all comes down to is what Bob is talking about, the pay scale, taking care of the fighters. That's what it really all comes down to. But uh, it, it, you know, the, the big thing is, you know, the violation of antitrust laws. And, you know, what a lot of people have been pushing for, and Leslie Smith, who actually just fought Cyborg, she's in Bellator, but she was in the UFC. When she got cut from the UFC, a lot of people thought she didn't get cut because of performance. She got cut because she was trying to start a union. And what oh, she's nice. been really pushing for mm-hmm. is for the Muhammad Ali Act, which is in boxing, to be uh, taken into MMA. So, you know, that's, that's a big issue. And until something's done, the UFC can do what they can do. 
You know, because it is, even though we have other promotions, Bellator, I mean, because of the USA size and strength, I mean, UFC, it really is kind of a monopoly. And so I think the fighters have a footing. But, again, we're still talking about a lawsuit with Kung Lee and Couture that's, that's still pending. So, you know, how, how, long, how, how quickly can this new lawsuit be re- resolved? That's the question. And, 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 and when you're talking like that, it's crazy because you're when it's like working for a private company. When you're working for a private company, they have a little different laws than if you're working for the government. Government, if you're working for the government, they you know you have certain benefits, certain uh type of you know legal obligations. That, yeah, yeah. So, but when you work for a private company and you know and and. Take it from me, filling out applications and just going through the rules and guidelines. They you you they will notify you that we can fire you for any reason that we deem fit. Yeah. That is what you're dealing with when you're dealing with the UFC. You're dealing with a private corporation who can fire you when they see when they deem it fit. They don't need a reason or cause as in the application. They don't need a reason or cause to fire you. Because when you sign the contract, you are obligating yourself to go abide by those rules of the contract, which in, in, in real estate, I'm pretty sure the UFC contract states that for any reason that they deem fit, they can get rid of you. They can, they can nullify the contract. So um, when, you, when, when you're dealing with that, boxing is a little different. It's not different when you're at a certain level. And let's just get that straight because people think that, oh, I'm going boxing. I'm going to make this much compared. No. Boxing, you you have to be a certain level of fighter before you start making money. And Great. at this juncture, it's getting harder. Boxing is getting a little less popular in the States. Um, around the world, boxing is very popular, as is, as is uh, mixed martial arts. But in the States, boxing is getting less popular than it used to be. We don't have wild world of sports anymore every Saturday morning to watch uh, amateurs fight. You, we don't have <laughs> Friday night fights anymore. I mean, things are, you know, getting a little different as far as the realm of just pure boxing. So when, when it comes down to it, I mean, even when, when even the UFC lawsuits, you have to be a big name. It's not like you could be a guy coming in and no, a UFC fight. You can have three fights, but you have to prove something somewhere else before you even get on in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be a guy who's who's you know we're we're going to test you. No, you have to prove a little something else somewhere else before the UFC right. even considers you. So when you're, you're talking about lawsuits, you're talking about guys who have proven themselves who have that platform to go ahead and, you know, put the name out. And Randy Couture is the perfect example because the guy, you talk about a guy who the UFC should be holding up as the statue of their elite and, uh, you know, just who's been through so much with the UFC. They should be, like, that guy should be the, the, the he should be the logo. Just like Jerry West is the logo of, of, of the NBA. And, and, and Randy Couture should be the logo of the UFC. They know what the UFC, not much martial arts, the UFC. And See, but you crazy know, the problem that is the right. He's banging the out with these guys is, like that. Is that Randy's prime? You know that was around the time when when Bob was still fighting, right before the sport in the UFC really took off. And so, even though Randy Couture, from a respect standpoint, has tremendous cachet in the business and the industry, the UFC don't give a damn. He's not making any money for them. And so, therefore, that's why his name is attached to this lawsuit. That's why not only is his name attached to the lawsuit, but that's why he's not even with the UFC. You know, he's commentating someplace else. That's why he's not commentating yeah. for the UFC. So it's, it's no different than boxing, right? What it really takes for systematic change to occur in this situation is what you need is Canelo Alvarez. What you need is Conor McGregor at the height of their popularity to draw a line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When John Jones said, hey, I think I should get paid. John Jones is one of the bigger draws in the UFC, right? But when he said, hey, I think I should get paid more, Dana White said, you know what? Your contract is what it is. We, I don't care if you fight. 
and, you know, John Jones is like, I'm taking my time to get a heavyweight. But part of the issue, too, is Dana White just doesn't care. Don't fight. We'll still put on shows, right? So no one – it's going to take a significant name, not just a name, but a significant draw to draw the line in the sand and say, hey, look, this is what it has to be for the guys who aren't making what I'm making. Like, it really is going to take a Conor McGregor or a Canelo Alvarez to stand up for the guys at the bottom of the car. It, it really is. Because, again, you, you talk about Couture, the UFC doesn't care because he's not worth any money to them right now. So and, and, and his, there's no incentive for them. Well, here's, here's the problem with that, too. Um, right now, you're having Dana White. He, he knows what he's doing. And those big guys, those, those Canelos and all those, they're getting... They're, they're, they're getting kicked out right now. He's bringing a whole new rookie crop in, and you know how rookie contracts go. When you have yep. these guys, just all that, they're not getting paid that much. They have to prove themselves. So right now, Dana White is clearing all of that. Literally, literally, we're talking about all these older fighters have to go and this and this and that. He's clearing cap space. He's literally clearing cap space. And like the guys coming in, you don't have to pay them as much as a, 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 a Romero. You don't have to pay them like that. So when when it gets down to it, it's all a money move. It's all a money move. And and Dana White's right. We're going to put on shows because everybody's going to buy the product. John Jones, they come and go. They're going to come and go. You know, you're going to yeah. have, you know, that, that's the whole thing. Fighters come and go, just like basketball, rookie basketball players, just like football players. The shelf life right now of uh, in the UFC is, I mean, if you're not a heavyweight, it's going to be it's really going to be getting short. You're not going to have people sticking around like Sean Shirk, you know, all, you know, all day in the game. You're not going to have hey, people. Hey, Zito, what made you mention, did you say Sean Shirk? The muscle yeah. shark. What made you mention Sean Shirk? I read something about him uh, in maybe relevant so, to this. So, so, okay, so maybe you read what I read, because I was just about to see if you guys remember Sean the Muscle Shirk. Sean Shirk fought, what I just read was he fought DJ Penn for the title. I remember I, I watched the fight. When he fought for that title, he got paid like $38,000. What? That's it? <laughs> for a lightweight one of the premier and most competitive divisions, the lightweight against the name of BJ Penn yep. fighting for the lightweight title and he in a premier organization and, and and you're the number one contender and you that's all you get is thirty eight thousand dollars. Dude, that is that's that's horrible. Yeah, it's hard. I mean the whole um the UFC, you know, the big draw is the big names, the McGregor, Jones, Rousey, you know, the people at the top of the game paid a lot, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I want to chase that. You know, back in my day, you know, I got in. It was a new sport. It was just something to do other than karate, you know, and, and uh, boxing. And so, and it was they were going to send me around the world. You know, you know, I got to see a lot of amazing places. But, you know, jump forward 15 years, 10 years, and then I opened my gym, and, and you had to be, you know, 10 and 0 in your own state before you get invited to, to the next one, you know. 10 and 0 in Colorado before you get invited to Montana or vice versa. And so they're chasing that money, but they don't realize in MMA, breaking as a pro, and they're trying to rush, and you're lucky to get like $200 to win, $200 to show. I mean, it's just, mm. doesn't cover your medical, doesn't cover a stick, you know, one stick. And, and, and it's crazy because, and Bob, you bring up a good point. It's crazy because how do you get. I mean, I understand certain things in the fight game, but when you fight, you're supposed to get a rate before the fight. That's that's the way, you know, I, th- I think that's fair. Win or lose, you're supposed to get the rate. But when you have, I mean, yeah, you have an incentive to win, but we're going back to contracts. It's just like a contract. If you score this many touchdowns, you get the bonus. If you score, you know what I mean, score this many points during the season, you get the bonus. So... In the same aspect, if you perform this, I mean, you get a bonus. But when or lose, if you put a good effort out and don't win, you don't get the, you don't get paid. Like 
for real, like that that's a problem with me. I, I, I should that should be a problem I think in in the sport, and not even the sport in the competition of fighting. Period. When you go out there, you're putting out your best effort, and you might not you have it. You might you might not get the decision that day, and you're making less money because of it. Mm-hmm. That, that's a little crazy. Hey, hey, Bob. Let, let me ask you a, a question about uh, Petitus. What happens to him now, Anthony Petitus, now that he's had an, another loss uh, to uh, Russell Manito? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Anthony Pettis, uh, great guy. I'm not, you know, again, they're, they're kind of winging everybody out, but um, I've, I've been hanging out watching it with my family. I've barely seen a TV in the last week. So uh, we're doing a redneck style up in the mountains. and <laughs> You know, so uh, my dad's building a house up in the mountains, but I had no cell service or, or a television or, oh, or, awesome. or even phone, you know. Oh, okay. So for part of the week and then. Bob, did anybody oh, ask you to squeal like a pig yet? Uh, oh, no, yeah. Hey, I got one for you. How to get circumcised a redneck. You kick the sister in the mouth. All right? We'll throw that one out there. Oh, <laughs> oh God. So now we've lost, now we've lost our, our, our West Virginia audience and our Kentucky audience. There it is. West yeah. Virginia, Kentucky have yeah. officially uh, lost off of Fighting Words Radio. Yeah, but we gained a new doctor. We've got a new update. Anthony Pettis had a second fight in PFL. We know he lost to Clay Collier the first time. So he had a second fight in PFL. He needed a stoppage to go ahead and and make it to the playoffs. He lost a split decision. A lot of people thought he won the fight, but nonetheless, he lost a controversial decision. So his run in PFL is done for the season. You know, they do a seasonal thing. Uh, But obviously, he came to PFL and, and. was only one of was only it was only he and one other welterweight who failed to even win a match, right? So he uh, he just came over and really did not perform well. Right. All right. How about uh, uh, Kayla Harrison uh, went over uh, uh, Cindy? Uh, was it Uranus? That was great. Dominated week. the way she. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Bob. I didn't sure. know if you had thought about that. No, no, me and Butch were talking about it uh, off the air. So, yeah, you just told me how quick she handled her and sounded like a one-sided yeah. fight, pretty much. Yeah, Kayla Harrison, yep. you know, I mean, she, she's a former judo, judo Olympian, and she's kind of got that Ronda Rousey thing. Her, her stand-up's a little bit more developed. But, uh, she's, she, you know, she's fighting at 155. She's fighting the same, you know, as a lightweight. And she's just a strong girl. She's strong with technique, and she's just bulldozing people. And she said it, I said it, it's funny because I said it maybe right after Clarissa Shields fought. She said it this week during the press conferences. She said, you know, Clarissa, uh, you know, she had a great performance. She goes, but now people need to, maybe people now can stop talking about her fighting me right now. Because it's clear that, you know, she would take Clarissa down and tap her out within, a, you know, a couple minutes. Um, Clarissa has holes in her game predictably, and she's new to this. Uh, Kayla Harrison still has holes in her game a little bit in her stand-up, but she's much more developed. Um, Clarissa Shields is still a couple years away from, from a Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison, um, like the big thing would, would, would be for her to maybe have a chance to fight a cyborg. You know, she'd have to sign in the UFC and she'd have to cut down the one, I, I honestly, 135, because 145 would just be her and Amanda Nunes in the UFC. But if she were to go to Bellator, it would be interesting. She'd be an interesting fight for Cyborg because just because her ground prowess is so uh, so vicious, man. She's, she's vicious. She is a, a dominant force. She's just obviously fighting in PFL. She's not fighting that level of competition. That's not true because UFC doesn't have 155. So she's fighting the best 155ers in the world. It's just that 155 isn't as deep a weight class in the women's division as it is, you know, 135, 125, 115. Okay. Uh, let's see. What do we have here for, for Bob? Uh, who's next for uh, uh, Fedor? I don't know if I'm going to screw this name up. Uh, Fedor? Yeah. Yeah. So, Bob, I don't know if you know. You know, uh, Bellator is looking to book uh, another fight for Fedor, I think, particularly, uh, possibly his last fight. And they've talked about Overeem, um, also uh, Josh Barnett as potential opponents for him. 
Ooh, I would like to see that. I mean, I'd like to see Josh get more airtime. I mean, he, he did, uh, you know, great in UFC and then, uh, you know, whatever, conflict there, then he's out of that. Just great around the world and all these competitions. So if he can come in, and now Fedor is no joke himself. Fedor was a beast mm-hmm. back in his day. Both are older, oh, well, so I'd love to see that matchup. Uh, and you know what? Out of all the fights that happened in Pride, that's one that was, was should have happened. It should have happened when Affliction just never happened. Um, I knew how good I knew how good Daniel Cormier was when he beat uh, Barnett. And when I watched yeah. that fight, and I said, "My God, how is he handling Josh Barnett? Like he took to the Barnett upside down." And I said, hold on, you're, you're dealing with a guy who's a world-class wrestler and you're just tooting him upside down like that. Um, that's, I knew, that's when I knew how good Cormier was. Yep. With Fedor, yep. um, he, he, oh, my God. Um, I would like to see him against uh, Overeem just because I think it would be a bigger draw. And those two guys, I mean, that's, that's a fight that I always kind of wanted to see. You know, that kind of... A lot you know, of other people, too. The, the, exactly. The fans wanted to see, and they never met any problems. So, and to me, it's kind of like... Oh, in you know, boxing terms, the Bellator sure tournament... Where, where you know, real quick, the Bellator tournament that you just referenced, the one where uh, where Barnett lost to Daniel Cormier in the finals, that tournament was set up for Fedor to, to end up facing um, over in the finals. It just didn't hash out that way, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. The other person they're throwing in that. there is Junior Del Santos. Yeah, they mentioned JDS too. You know, JDS. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um, like Del Santos, he he's a little more. I I I, I loved him in this prime, but mm-hmm. after those fights with uh Kane with Velasquez, I think that he's he's more or less started like he degraded after those fights. That and understand he's how old. Guys like my age. So you're Who? talking about uh, Junior. Junior's like 38. Yeah. Junior's 38? Okay. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, think like, I, I, I think he's 38 now. And, and, and to be honest, now that you mentioned that, that's a little crazy because he's 38. You, you, like, that's kind of young in UFC heavyweight terms to a certain extent. But, uh, um, uh, Stipe is what around that age? Who? Who? Stipe. Uh, Stipe. Stipe's thirty-eight. Yeah, but Stipe exactly. again, man. Stipe does. He does. He's a younger thirty-eight though. He didn't have the number. Like first yeah. of all, Junior Dos Santos went through that ringer with with Kane Velasquez. You look at Overeem, who's like forty. Yeah. But these guys have had so many fights. Stipe has only had like twenty fights. You know what I mean? So he he was kind of. Young, young in the game compared to these guys, even though they were like like his age, just like Cormier, who who was like forty. You know what I mean? But you know they were yeah. younger in the game than 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 Barnett, Overeem, and yeah. And uh, they came up early. He came up uh, a little later too. It wasn't yep. like you know yep. because yep. like Junior, yeah, Junior. These guys they were banging in their twenties. And when yeah, Stipe kind of yeah. came on the scene with that high-level competition, he was already, you know, basically 30. Uh, yeah, so yeah, when you look exactly. at when I look at Junior, I mean, he's been like, and, and you're right, he's been through those wars. Those wars last on you. I don't care what what competition and fighting you are, and once you get a whole bunch of wars heaped on you, those those put age on you. Um, Fernando Vargas in boxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Fernando, yeah. I, I, when he was around 30 years old, he was basically retired. He was like, I don't want to call him shot, but he was a shot fighter. Yeah. Um, you also yeah. have guys like Overeem who have developed their game at, with age. Now, Overeem is not a world beater, uh, but you can't, like, you can't take him lightly. In any fight he has, he's in, he has a chance. Yeah, but you know what? And that, has a chance. But it's funny because that fight with Volkov was the first fight where Overeem just didn't look like like him, like he looked noticeably past it. Um, and it's funny Volkov fought Cyril Gane in the main event of the UFC today, in which Gane won a decision. He he's he's a guy you got to watch out for. 
But um, Overeem just couldn't get there. You know, he, he he's still versatile and everything. And you know, against against a certain level heavyweight, he's still going to be very dangerous. But he just doesn't have the speed or the reflexes or the fluidity of movement that 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 made him so dangerous. Even with his chin issues, when he changed his style um, from the the Uberine kind of guy, he just doesn't have that. Um, and you know, and it's funny you're talking about guys that just you know the wars take a toll on you. Fedor is one of them. You know, Fedor is a guy who's mm-hmm. been knocked out by a jab by from Ryan Bader. You know, this is a guy I seen get dumped on his neck by Kevin Randleman and like come back and tap him out within a few seconds later. Mm-hmm. So you know, <laughs> you know, Bob was talking about this just a few weeks ago. You know, the the chin eventually cracks. You don't take punishment the way you used to. The one thing I do like is that he's talking about matching Fedor up with a similar guy, even though I think Fedor is yeah. a little bit more past it than an Overeem, a JDS, uh, a Burnett. At least it's one of those guys and, you know, not trying to match him up, uh, you know, just for a guy, you know, a guy to, to take his scalp. You know, he's matching him up uh, with an older guy with an established name. So, I, you know, at least that's what it is. Uh, you know, tonight is uh, going to drive everybody nuts because you got uh, three uh, big fights on TV. Uh, you got Tank Davis, uh, uh, Erickson Luba, and Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, which one do you want to break down first? Well, the Lubin Rosario fight is on the undercard. It's the co-feature right. of the uh, Tank Davis Mario Barrios fight. So you you can right. watch those two fights. Um, it's, it's trying to see if you're going to be able to catch the Vasily Lomachenko tank, you know, because those main events are going to go off around the same time. But you'll be right. able to at least watch the Lubison Rosario fight without any major conflict, right? So, and, and I think and it's good to see Lubin back in the spotlight. Uh, I, I like Lubin, and he, he's like I liked him coming up. He was very skillful, and he got derailed and by getting hit in the chin in the first round and slept basically by uh, Charlo. Um, that happens in fights. That happens in fights, but I think he's like 21 years old. Too much. Exactly. Exactly. He, he's young and, like, he's very skillful. I remember him, you know, just coming up. He's, he's a very skillful guy. Um, he, he took a, I think he took a big step too fast. That happens. I, I think he, he can be very credible at, at that weight division. Um, Lomachenko, you, you, I expect him, you know, you, you're not putting him in against the toughest guy in the world. But one thing about Lomachenko, and I said this after last fight, um, age catches up to everybody. It depends how you deal with it. And the way he chose to deal with it against Terrafimo was not to engage, not to engage that much. Uh, it's going to be interesting how he comes back this fight. Is it going to be the same, or that? That's you know, that's the only question mark with Lomachenko. I think the big, uh, the, the big thing, uh, the big fight is, is the Tank Davis fight. He's moving up ten pounds, and when you move, like it's one thing to move up a few pounds, but when you're lighter in those lighter divisions, you're moving up from one thirty to one forty. That is a big ass difference. Excuse my language. That is a very big difference. Um, so I expect that fight to be a bit more, and it's not like Tank is a slick guy who's going to, you know, bob and weave and avoid punches and counter and not get hit. No, Tank's a guy who gets in there, and Tank's a guy who's trying to get his shots off. So that that's going to make it really, really interesting because it's not like Tank's going to be avoiding a whole bunch of contact at 140. That, that, so that, I'm really, really kind of keen to see that. I have to hey, slightly disagree with my uh, – I got to quickly slightly disagree with my brother, Zito, where he said uh, Vasily Lomachenko's not fighting the toughest guy. I got to disagree with that. He's not fighting the most skilled guy, but he's fighting an extremely tough guy. Nakatani has won fights by being tough. He gave Tiafimo Lopez fits by being tall, rangy, and tough. Um, he knocked out Verdejo by getting up off the canvas twice and just take it punishment to come back and stop him. He's, he's a tough guy. What he's not is that his skills compared to a Lomachenko. 
And so I agree with Zito with everything else in regards to that. With Tank Davis, I think Zito said it best. There's a reason why his nickname is Tank. They, they right. don't call him Gervonta mm-hmm. the Corvette Davis because he's not slick. <laughs> they, they call him yeah. Tank Davis because he tanks his opposition. Well, when you go up 10 right. pounds and wait to fight a guy who's 5'10 and you're 5'5 five, five and a half and you're moving <laughs> up and weight 10 pounds and you're a tank, yep. well, you know what? Yep. You, you, you can't tank everything. You can't tank mm-hmm. everything. Um, I remember when Sugar Shane Mosley moved up in weight to welterweight and fought Oscar De La Hoya. And, you know, I remember he came out blistering fast because, you know, he's got those fast hands. And I remember, you know, Oscar made an adjustment and started, you know, touching on Shane. Shane got to the corner, and his father said, see, you can't truck everybody. Maybe now you'll listen to me. So tonight could be a very interesting night where you find out, you know what, you can't tank everybody, especially when a tank moves up to take on a bigger tank. So it'll be interesting. Okay. And Hey, Bob, what do you think about uh, Bellator 261 um, with Johnson and uh, Mold- uh, Moldovsky? Moldovsky, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I haven't, I, I'm just so far out of the reach of the TV, I don't know who's coming up. Okay. So yeah, Moldovsky fought, fought Tim Johnson last night. Tim Johnson for, for the Bellator interim heavyweight title because Ryan Bader's participating in the uh, light heavyweight Grand Prix. Madowski, like Vladimirkov, who is the actual light heavyweight champion, both of those guys are protégés of Fedor. Um, and uh, Madowski was able to uh, go ahead and win uh, by decision. It was a tough fight, uh, but Madowski, you know, just by virtue of activity and his wrestling, he was able to go ahead and grind out a decision over Timothy Johnson to win the interim title, heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... Uh... Coming up, we have uh, Joe Joyce and uh, Carlos Tackham. Uh, Ty, what's your thoughts on that one? You know, that's an interesting fight. Takam is a guy who 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 is funny. I've never seen him. He, he, he never looks great, but I've never. When I say that, it's just aesthetically, right? But he never looks bad. Like I saw him fight Povetkin. He was he was edging that fight and he got caught and knocked out like in a in a tenth round. Povetkin went ahead and got busted for steroids right after that. Yeah. He fought Joshua at the time. It was one of Joshua's most competitive fights. They stopped the fight and everybody agreed it was an early stoppage going into the eleventh round. At that point, it was the furthest Joshua had been extended, and then uh-huh. he was beating Chisora pretty cleanly until he got caught with a big left hook. Uh-huh. So Takam is a guy who can get in there and just. He knows how to cause people trouble, but he doesn't quite get over the hump. I think this is a very well-matched fight. I think he'll cause Joe Joyce some, some troubles right now with favor. Joe Joyce based on recent form, but it's a good fight. Very interesting fight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, to come, Joe Joyce is a truck. To come is a Cadillac. And in the terms of that, the Cadillac is a bit more versatile than a truck, but it's still a Cadillac. I mean, you're not going to, you know, in terms of just getting those cars again, it's not a Corvette. Uh, Tom's a guy who's, he is, he's about a B-plus level heavyweight at this point. Uh, he's not a But Tom's a guy that, to, to a certain extent, he's going to tell us. To a certain extent, he's going to be a truth teller. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to give you yeah. like you're just not going to run him over. Going to be competitive in everything he does. He's he's not an easy out, but if you're if you are a certain level, to come is going to he's going to be an out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Joe Joyce. I mean, to come has lungs. One thing to come mm-hmm. has is lungs. Um, and to come, he 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 will keep working during the fight. He's not going to avoid a whole lot, and at times he's not going to put the most accurate hands on you. But mm-hmm. he's going to be there, unless mm-hmm. Joe Joyce. And one thing, Joe Joyce is a downhill fighter, but he's not a one punch guy. Uh, like like Chisora yeah. is loading up, and if he catches you while while in the midst of him trying to hit you hard. Yeah, he's going to put some damage on you. He's going to uh, have that effect. Joe Joyce is not that guy. Joe Joyce nah. starts downhill. And 
dealing with the calm. I mean, if you can't, I mean, the calm has the ability to to kind of curve your downhillness to a certain yep. extent. He has the lungs to match up with Joe Joyce. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. If Joe Joyce is not going to get him out or make Takam do anything different with one shot, like Joshua, I mean, even when Joshua was doing good work, Joshua lungs started failing him, and Takam kind of started coming on. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was an early stoppage, especially during the way the, that fight was going. I could see the same thing kind of happening to Joe Joyce. So I mean, I don't know honest. if Takam matches Joe Joyce in length, just because Joe Joyce is, is bigger than Joshua. Takam six four. Yeah. So I would have. So to I don't look think he needs reach, to. Right. But I don't think no, he, he needs really to, need to because because, because Joe Joyce is is is. You know what? Joe Joyce is just glacially slow, and and you know if if anything, like Zito said, Takam, you know he knows how to, he know he's per, he's the definition of professional resistance. He knows yeah. his way around the ring. And he's a guy who, at times, is going to make Joe Joyce look clumsy. It's just that Takam sometimes is—he's he, not the hardest guy to catch. You know, like Zito said, he's a Cadillac. So it's just you know, Joe Joyce is another one who—you who, know—he won a silver silver medal at the Olympics, right? He's a silver medalist. He's a guy who took up the sport late, so he's still relatively learning. So I think part of that is just how much better has he gotten? He showed that he gotten better. When he fought Joe Joyce, he, or Joe Joyce, wow, he, you know, he all of a sudden showed a very surprising jab and a command of range, which is something he hasn't shown before. But, you know, even though Dubois is a physical athletic freak, you know, he's not the, he's not, he doesn't have the, the aptitude yet that a Carlos Takam has. So, you know, Zito is absolutely right. Carlos Takam. Well, I'm not worried so much about the lungs because Joe Joyce is he's one of those guys that kind of – Joe Joyce has been up there close to records for a heavyweight uh, punch yeah. in a fight. So I'm not – yeah, Joe yeah, Joyce has got yeah, lungs. Tom's lung. but, more, yeah, the Tom's yeah, lungs. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Joe Joyce has, has been up there in records, close to records, for getting how many punches thrown in a fight at a, as a heavyweight. So I think Joe Joyce, as far as his lungs, he's going to be up to task. What he might not be up to task – is really his footwork and, and, and just being able to cut the ring off and touch on him the way he mm-hmm. wants. But as far as conditioning, Joe Joyce has always showed tremendous conditioning and a tremendous chin. His problem is he's just glacially slow and he's, you know, he could be outboxed. And, and Carlos Takam is funky enough to do so. And one thing about Joe Joyce is, and I think this has a lot to do, the two things have a lot to do with his lungs. The one thing is Joe Joyce is, ultimately relaxed. He yeah. is comfortable with the fighter he is. He, he and that's a damn Oh, you're saying Takam is long. You mean Takam fade. Yeah, yeah Takam will fade yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, Takam will fade, but you have to make him fade. I mean, if, if yeah. he's not yep. if he's yep. not made to be faded, then Takam will work all day. Um, yep. Joe Joyce's lungs, yeah, Joe Joyce's lungs, yeah, I, yeah. I, I credit his, his relaxation with his lungs and when you fight downhill, yeah, especially at his size, you if you're fighting going forward, the guy who who you're fighting against tends to have to burn more energy than you. As yep. simple as that. When you when you're fighting going downhill, you're using less energy than the guy who's not. It's as simple as that. And because you know what? he you has know, to do more of that. And you touched on something too, right? You know, we we all say this, right? Joe Joyce is not a one punch knockout artist. Part of the, the reason is is because he he changes the speed of his pitches. Joe Joyce a lot of times is just trying to put hands on you. Like he's a guy yeah. who doesn't throw everything full strength. He's just touching you. And when you're doing that, you're not tensing up as much. You can fight a little bit longer, more relaxed, and that serves his lungs so well. But that that's part of the reason why. You know, he's not a big knockout puncher because he's really just trying to put volume on you. Yeah. And he takes a good shot. I mean, boy, let's be boy, oh boy. I mean, he, he's open at times because he's slow. I mean, he he, he doesn't have that terrible reactions. He just has slow he's reactions. Slow, but, man. <laughs> but you know what? To me right now, at, at this point, and it's, it, you know, still it's funny because he's, you know, he's 33 years old, right? But it's still very early in his career. 
at that at this point, his re- relaxation and his ability to take a shot has been his greatest attributes. Because he'll just walk you down and just keep putting punches on you, hit him with a big shot. He just keeps doing what he's doing. Kind, know, kind so. of like a slower margarito, not a skill just yet. Yeah, but he's kind of a yeah. slower margarito to where yeah. he'll touch you everywhere. One thing is Joe Joyce, when it gets to you, he will touch you everywhere. So two words I never thought I'd hear say. Two words I never thought I'd hear say as an educated boxing expert is slower margarito. You knew that was coming. Because yeah, margarito was glacially slow, but he was more technically astute and sound than Joe Joyce is at this point. But yeah, Joe Joyce is a slower margarito. Wow, that first time for everything. Yeah. Well, guys, we're just about up up against our hour here. A uh, couple Already? things. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, next week we'll be off because of the holiday, uh, and then we're going to take a, a two-week hiatus for a vacation because the, the numbers in July are always much lower than they are uh, any other time of the year except Christmas. Uh, but we're coming back on the 24th with a big show, and that show is going to be dedicated to Dr. Chris Spanarella. Um, hey. A memorial program like we did for Bob. Um, the highlights will be uh, uh, former uh, fighting champion uh, uh, Dave Tabiri, uh, um, former uh, boxer, uh, tough guy, Tox, Tex Cobb, uh, Joey Tabiri, <laughs> and uh, four other fighters that. Uh, uh, <laughs> that um, well, I laughed as, uh, as soon as you said Tex Cobb. So. <laughs> You know, Bob and Tex like, Cobb on the phone together, period. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I won't even talk that show. I will not even talk that show. <laughs> even with Tony on it, with his uh, his statement last week about his favorite fighter from yeah, Orlando. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Between Tony and yeah, Bob gonna, last week, I needed Zito bad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, so it, it was – It's uh, I want everybody to have a, a good, safe uh, 4th of July, and uh, we'll be looking forward to having you back here on the 24th. But, uh, Bob, thanks a lot for, for tuning in. I know it's it's uh, very tough uh, with reception up there and the fact that you don't have uh, any uh, Internet, so it, you really did a yeoman's job uh, tonight, and I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to be on. You know, I mean, if you're ever in the redneck part of Washington State, remember, a good pickup line is, hey, baby, nice tooth. You know, so wow, 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 wow. wow. Great, wow. great week. <laughs> wow. the because the other part of our G rating. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just now lost the Pacific Northwest. Ty, <laughs> you want to lead us out? A great show as always. I want everybody to be safe during our hiatus. Uh, Coach Mel is watching over us. Dr. Chris keeps us laughing. And, of course, the founder, Bob, is our co-pilot. Everyone enjoy their time. Take care. Great. Uh, another wonderful show. I want to thank you, Butch, Bob, Ty, all my Fighting Words family. These shows are definitely in memory of Bob, Coach Mel, and Dr. Chris. And everyone, please have a nice holiday, safe holiday. Anyone want to hear any more Fighting Words, catch us next month. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank everybody uh, on here tonight. Uh, they've done a, a yeoman's job, as always. Uh, again, uh, uh, Z, uh, congratulations on your your new grand grandson. Uh, when we do we need it? Do we have a uh, update on the uh, on the uh, granddaughter? Hi. Oh, oh man, she's, she's doing well. Good. Asia's yeah, doing okay. She's doing well. She's doing well. Yeah, Asia's doing well. She's doing well. All is well, man. I'm happy. Everything's good right now. Great. Thanks for asking. Great. We uh, we want to thank all our listeners, and uh, we really appreciate each and every one of you. We hope you have a very safe and happy holiday. And just remember, when you're about to sit down with your families, uh, just take a moment to uh, thank all the uh, people out there that have gotten us this far, the uh, veterans, uh, especially those uh, who served in the Vietnam War, uh, and you're suffering very, very tragically with uh, the effects of Agent Orange uh, and everyone out there that's uh, working on the, the 4th of July. Uh, we appreciate each and everything that you do. 
These programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please make sure that you let them know they're there. These are very tough times for those who are in uniform. For the doctors, the nurses, and the auxiliary people at the hospitals, thank you very much for keeping us healthy. For the people in the in the supermarkets, thank you very much for keeping those shelves stocked and keeping everybody happy. We appreciate it. We know it's not a good time for you when you have to tell people to leave the store because they don't have a mask, but uh, it'll all be over soon. So we really appreciate everything you do. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Handler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, <coughs> Patrolman Anafa Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogle, Longbow Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrol, Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrol, Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrol, Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, VA, Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Highway, Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Patrolman Charlie Condon, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Ronnie Bond, Delaware State Police, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artith Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, FDLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper Stephen, Corporal Stephen Boward, <coughs> Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Police Department, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Sergeant uh, Brian LeBake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, and Deputy Mike Malik, Dinellis County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at, the time, at this time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the palm of his hand. Good night, God bless, and have a great 4th of July.
Bye. 